Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Mary Ann Wolf. Classrooms around the world have been looking very different this fall. Between virtual learning, smaller classrooms, and split weeks, learning has evolved into a challenge for many. Here to discuss some of the changes, successes, and the future are state and local leaders in education. I'm very pleased to be joined by David Stegall, the Deputy Superintendent of Innovation at the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction, and Freebird McKinney, the Director of Legislative and Community Affairs at the North Carolina Board of Education and NCDPI. David, I know that you've been traveling a great deal across the state, and can you please tell us briefly what schooling now looks like during COVID-19? As everyone knows, education is the great equalizer. It's the uh, regardless of your surname and where, what city you live in, where you're from, who your parents are. It's a way uh, everyone has equal access and opportunity in an ideal situation. But during COVID, man, we've uh, districts have had to, and educators have had to reinvent education. Uh, we've had to take what worked in a building and, and a traditional setting uh, that we controlled into a setting that we have very little control over. Uh, looking uh, at student needs and strengths and monitoring their progress has to be different. Uh, instruction and engagement has been different. There's uh, even when we do have students face-to-face, -face, the social distancing has caused uh, teachers to rethink how they do activities and hands-on instruction. I've been so pleased to see teachers and educators and principals breaking down the, the, the parameters of this is our school building, this is our district, this is our community. There's a lot of collaboration going across uh, communities, across buildings, across sectors that normally wouldn't happen. Uh, and, and probably what's been enhanced is a focus on the whole child needs, those social, emotional, those physical needs, uh, the, the food scarcity, those type of things. Uh, teachers are serving as parent teacher, as uh, you know, a counselor, all, them, all the roles that are necessary to make sure that students have what they need. So uh, I've been excited to see amazing things happening. It makes me more proud than I've ever been to be an educator. I know that you've also been traveling around the state and I feel like you've been in every corner of North Carolina. What innovative practices have you seen in action? This is a completely new way of looking at education. It's a, a completely new way of looking and focusing on the social and emotional well-being of our students, providing support for them both in the classroom but also at home. Uh, and I think this, this transcends not just um, the, the quote-unquote what we would call innovative, but just every aspect that we see in schools. And, and, and I can point to some specific examples. That it, we were in Perquimans County and walked into a teacher's classroom. And the fluidity between the students that were on the computer in a virtual remote setting and the ones that were in the classroom, the, the, the teachers had worked in these small group teacher collaboratives that they mentioned earlier and build out where they could, they're really on the same page at all times. And that allows them to work on the students that are in class, but also focus at home. Uh, they use multiple platforms. Uh, I've also seen this being done in, in music class with social distancing in Ash County, or a, a really special one that's close to my heart, uh, Daniel Scott, who's actually the Southeast Regional Teacher of the Year and a band director there at Swansboro High School, did an outdoor holiday band concert that was socially distanced and cars could drive up. And so the students could still, um, you know, engage in that uh, ability to provide a concert to the community, but keeping safety and health uh, regulations. 
just the innovative practices that each one of our districts are using, how our teachers are engaging, whether it's remotely, whether it's face-to-face. -face. And I mean, we could talk for, for hours about just, just everything's innovative and everything's resourceful right now. I love that word resourceful because I think it's exactly what we've seen from our teachers, our administrators, our students and families in our communities right now. So I appreciate you calling that out. David, I'd love to turn just for a minute to as a previous superintendent and now in your state role, how would you describe what it's like to be an educator or administrator in our schools this fall? Principals and superintendents and directors and teachers by nature are very strategic in their thinking, planning out 30, 60, 90 days ahead planning out uh, for a year or two years, long-term visions. But with COVID, it's been so much more reactionary than strategic and not because they're not wanting to. It's just been having to adapt to a new environment, to new uh, uh, pressures externally, a, a new uh, risk that come up. And so it's been a different role. It's been, it's caused superintendents and principals to rethink uh, everything. Things that have been in place had to be put on hold. New strategies had to be put in place. Uh, and in, and to add to that, in addition to the normal academic needs, in addition to all that you want to focus on a whole child, there's been the hard but necessary work on addressing diversity and inclusion and equity within this district and in school roles that has risen to a level of deep focus. And, and it's always been there, but with all this happening around us in the world, it's always, it's risen to a higher level. Internships, apprenticeships, field-based experiences, that's had to be different. It's not necessarily good or bad, it's just different. And students have been great to react to it and to, and to adjust. Uh, it showed the resilience that uh, our students can, can exhibit. And uh, we've probably not given that enough emphasis how much they are resilient. I will tell you the biggest challenge to me is sometimes a principal and a superintendent in this environment has had to be a mediator between competing interests, parents, community, uh, political leaders, media, peer districts around them, boards, uh, their own personal convictions, it's a lot, and it's. Um, I, I want to make sure that we we continue to lift them up. All of our educators lift up. I, I will tell you, the community have. I've heard so many communities say that educators have been uh, magnified. Their role of providing some normalcy during some of this chaotic time. Their role in making sure their children have everything they need has been magnified more than normal. And it's exciting to see that, but it is a, it's a, it's quite a challenge for administrators. It's quite a challenge for superintendents, but they stepped up in major ways. They've stepped up. The complexity of what's happening um, is just really unbelievable. And also the day-to-day -day changes and just so appreciate you lifting them up. We've always said the schools are the hubs of our community and it is truer now more than ever. So um, I so appreciate that. Um, Freebird, I wonder if you could share just briefly with us a few of the things that are being done and when you've been around the state to ensure that students are able to access high quality education during the pandemic. I want to start off with saying that, you know, these were these were two really big challenges for our districts, uh, the, the devices and the broadband connectivity and, and these as David pointed out earlier, this is our first line of defense to making sure that we're providing that equitable access and opportunity to education. And, and our districts have done a tremendous job in working to hand out those devices post uh, House Bill 1043 and, and building out and understanding what are the needs and the devices. Um, and then going back to the heart of your question, you know, how are we making sure that high quality education is occurring? The professional development that was uh, 
that was provided to educators to support our teachers and our school and our districts to adapt to this new schooling environment uh, and transcending the impact of COVID-19 has also been an, an incredible outreach program. And there are multiple examples of this. Um, there's also been a great partnership with um, the NCVPS, which is supporting that transition to more remote and virtual learning for teachers. Uh, they've been in, uh, you know, doing this for almost a decade now in a virtual setting. So the partnership that's been developed there. And I feel like the more and more we travel around the state, the more and more we see this. We could uh, see this in an art class in Wilkes County where students are not only learning about COVID, uh, and its scientific uh, effects, but also what it looks like. So then they're going and designing out that their idea of what COVID-19, we actually stopped by Representative Elmore's class, um, who was an art teacher in Wilkes County and saw that in play. You know, I, I've talked to so many and they're putting so much more work into the, the remote instruction pieces. Their work has been really elevated and they've, they've risen to the challenge. I've been so i uh, impressed to see this just at a classroom level. In our final minute, I wonder if you each have just one or two uh, words of advice for educators and families out there as we look into the new year. I want to stress that uh, what this has done, what, what uh, COVID has forced us to do is to revisit how we structure education. There's no one size fits all. Personalized needs assessments and support are vital. Uh, we have the potential now to free from some traditions that may have bound us some. Uh, the old joke is if, you know, people came back from 100 years ago and walked into the classroom, it wouldn't look drastically different than it did when they were students. We have a chance to change that, and it has changed. We have an ability to be more innovative, uh, that true paradigm shift. So I think when we come out of this on the other side, and we, we say those two words, remember when, and we look back on this, I hope when we remember when, it will be the pivotal point that we use to say, that's when we began the new direction of public education and our new paradigm shift where we meet all students in different ways. And I wanna echo that as well, just the, the level of, of flexibility and resiliency that is that is um, really arisen from how our teachers, how our families and how our students have responded to COVID-19's impact. I think clearly is an indicator uh, of what our students, what our teachers, and what our communities are capable of doing. And I agree 100% with David. While this has shed light on many of the inequities that have always existed in our North Carolina public school system, it provides a true opportunity. Uh, I really do have hope that, that this is allowing us to transcend the challenges and, and re-envision and reimagine what is possible. Well, I just want to thank both of you for your leadership and the role you're playing and for making sure that we're aware of what's happening in every corner of our state, but also just the experience you bring. You know how different this is and how much our educators, our administrators, and our kids are doing right now. So thank you so much for being with us. Um, after the break, we will hear some local perspectives from the new Hanover County School Superintendent and a Durham Public Schools teacher. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. We are so pleased to be joined today by Dr. Charles Faust, the superintendent of New Hanover County Schools, and Jessica Odom, a teacher in Durham Public Schools. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Dr. Faust, I'd love to start with you. Um, you became superintendent of New Hanover County Schools in September. 
and stepped into a new position in a new state in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe you could share with us what New Hanover is doing to ensure that kids are learning and safe during COVID-19. And what does that look like every day? The people in our buildings are doing a great job. I'll just say that, start there. They're doing a great job. We have to go back to what I call the foundations of education, um, where we talk about what we have to do and what the reasonings why we do certain things. So I believe that is one of the cornerstones that we have to activate. Um, to make all individuals, all employees um, understand that we appreciate them. So it's a little more, um, you know, the, the appreciativeness, um, those things, because individuals, I'll say they're, they're, they're nervous. Um, it's a lot of work we're in plan B at this point where we have two students who are remote and those who are in person. And so we're still feeling our way through that. And it's not perfect. And that's not what we're looking for perfect at this point. I told everyone, it's like, you know, you've only done it for about six weeks right now. So you have to think of like, if you were a first year teacher, what would your first six weeks look like? It would not look like, you know, your 23 year veteran. That's a great point. And Jessica, listening to Dr. Faust makes me really curious to hear from you as a high school teacher, what is teaching like during COVID-19? Like so many educators across in our state, um, we were thrown into a virtual classroom um, almost instantly. Um, we had very little preparation for what does that look like? And we have been fortunate to see so many online resources sort of um, emerge almost instantly once that shift to a virtual learning environment was established as necessary. I'm completely virtual right now. And I look forward to logging into Zoom to see the, the joy on my students' faces, to see each other. This connection with students feels not only like more personal at times because we're invited into their homes and they're invited into my home space, but I look forward every day to logging into Zoom just to see them. Yeah. I wonder if you could share a little bit more about how you're continuing to build relationships and connections. Do you have some specific strategies? I know that's something that we keep hearing teachers are trying to do, and it sounds like you've done a lot to make that possible. Well, I, I just want to shout out that I work in an English department um, who is committed to making sure that we are connecting with our students. And so I have tremendous support from other English teachers and I have tremendous support from leadership at my school who is pushing us to, as teachers, to find that balance between showing care, showing grace, and also like growing our students. And so um, what I've realized over the last four months teaching through Zoom is that this virtual learning tends to skew towards like independent learners, um, students who value kind of learning on their own versus a lot of my students whose values are more related to like the communal learning experience. It's a much tougher um, challenge for them because they're not in a classroom with 30 other of their peers. And so one of the things we've done is create like more games within our classroom. And so spending some of our synchronous Zoom time, like playing games. They love just seeing 
that kind of interaction, but adding more games that don't have to be content related, but just like building um, that into our synchronous learning has been something that I didn't usually play a lot of games in my classroom. I play a lot more games. I enjoy playing get to know you games now. I love that. Um, thank you so much for sharing those specifics. Um, Dr. Faust, as you look into the new year and knowing that you have many, many teachers like Jessica being so creative and innovative, and yet we know working very, very hard right now, um, what are your main goals for New Hanover as we go into the new year? Of course, when we go into second semester, um, we've got to reevaluate where we are. Um, and we've got to look in, in, into some in-depth. So we have an AABB schedule where um, on Monday and Tuesday, we have kids face-to-face. -face, and then on Wednesday, it's remote. And then Thursday, Friday, um, we have our, our, our B group that's in, in the buildings. Um, what has happened in that, in our secondary schools, our students have chosen to do more remote versus coming to the face-to-face. Um, as you've all probably seen across the state that we have um, a lot of students who are failing. Um, a lot of students who are um, not participating fully in the learning experience. We have teachers who are um, teaching synchronous and asynchronous at the same time. So we're looking at how can we go into the second semester and make it better for everyone. And as um, Jessica was saying that teachers were just thrown into, um, you know, being a virtual teacher instantaneously, you know, one week, or I'll say we were out when I was in Kansas, we were out for spring break. And then we came back, we were virtual teachers. Um, we were virtual school, I was in a virtual district. Um, the, the, the part for me that actually, I guess the helping part was that I have a master's in instructional technology. So it wasn't a fear factor for me there. However, for several teachers, that is a fear factor because technology is not their, their go-to. Um, they're in face-to-face, -face, they wanna be able to see um, how the learning is taking place. Um, what is it gonna look like? And when you have, one day you have six students, um, the next day you have five students and you're supposed to have you know 30 in there, mm -hmm. that becomes a little frustrating, I will say for the educators like, okay, I'm being held responsible for students, but they're not actually even coming so what do we do? So we've got to here in New Hanover reevaluate um, our presentation style. Um, we've got to reevaluate what we are actually asking our students to do. Um, and you know, I would say stay tuned. We have a, we have a game plan that will, you know, I'll, I'll say it won't work for all, but it'll work for the 80%. We're all learning every single day. And we're, and I love that you're reflecting and assessing and figuring out what we need. And, um, and I think that's the key, right? We have to just keep trying because this isn't over yet. And okay. so I really appreciate, appreciate you raising that. And like, you know, we'll want to hear more about what that looks like for you as we go into the new year. And um, Jessica, in our last few minutes, um, you know, I would just love to hear from you if you have any advice for other teachers or parents when it comes to providing learning opportunities. You and Dr. Faust have both shared some of the, the important aspects, and, um, and I wonder if you just have some advice for them so that they can make 2021 more successful for students. Building trusting relationships. Our classrooms are different. We're now in our homes sometimes, but the way in which we create environments that are high trust, 
low stress for students, it's exactly the same. It starts with talking with students, showing that we care for students, showing that it's not just about, did you learn the content of The Great Gatsby for my class? It's how are you? How's your family? What'd you do this weekend? Like those are still the same effective teaching strategies that we can do even through Zoom. We all wanted to be teachers because we love interacting with the youth of our communities and we love the content that we teach. And so this is not what we signed up for when we decided we wanted to be teachers, but we know the value of being a caring adult for your son or your daughter. And so that's still our commitment. That's still our focus, even if we're not in a building with them right now. Well, I'm so grateful to both of you for sharing what it's really like out there, but also your focus on social and emotional learning for our adults and our students and the grace needed right now. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. And after the break, our final word. Educators who serve our state in a variety of roles shared with us today just how school looks very different during COVID-19. Across North Carolina, students and educators are continuing to engage in remote learning, in-person learning, and some a hybrid of the two. And while there are so many challenges that students, families, and educators continue to face, what has struck me most during these past nine weeks is just how incredibly resilient, nimble, and innovative we have all become during this very difficult time. On that note, I wanna share with you some examples of innovation, some of which we have highlighted on social media along with many of our partners during our weekly Moments of Hope. We'd like to shout out to EdNC for helping create these as they travel across the state. At Newport Elementary in Carteret County, school librarian Emily Golightly worried about how much screen time her students were experiencing during remote learning. To tackle this issue, she secured a grant to fund a read and ride project, something that she dreamed up to allow students to come down to the library during break times and pedal their wiggles out while reading books, giving them the much needed chance to get the physical activity they might be missing this year. Mr. S, as his students know him, is a social studies teacher at Phillips Middle School in Edgecombe County. As he embarked on leading a virtual classroom this year, Mr. S realized he wanted to make sure his kids could still connect with him in meaningful ways. So he came up with the idea to add vlogs to his classroom, keeping bloopers and all in these video updates that not only offer personal stories and lessons to students, but also show his kids that he too is a human being who is learning how to adapt to this new environment we are all in. In Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools, which is where I live, Deborah Cox, an art teacher, and others at Carborough Elementary decided that this year the show must go on. A previously planned school play is being converted into a virtual performance with more than 120 students engaged, with an individual backdrop being created for each child's home. David Stegall, our guest today and the Deputy State Superintendent of Innovation and Equity, shared with us in a recent moment of hope that a colleague has rightly said, for this school year, we are all first year teachers, counselors, principals, APs, and superintendents. None of us have ever experienced what we are going through. We were all in this together and we must trust one another. Those words really resonated with me. And while I have marveled at just how resilient, nimble, and innovative we have all become, 
The truth is these traits are inside all of us and during crises, they tend to come out. It's with a sense of community and shared trust that those traits transform into action. And I'm proud to say that here in North Carolina, I'm seeing and hearing those actions play out each and every day in classrooms across our great state. Thank you for thinking and learning about education with us. That's all for today. We'll see you next week.